Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by The Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host, Salim Qasim, and I'm the chief editor of The Muslim Vibe. Um, on this week's podcast, I'm joined by Khadija from Safari MMA. Khadija is a, a revert to the religion of Islam and an avid, I guess, practitioner of the mixed martial arts form known as Muay Thai. Or Muay Thai, I was pronounce it wrong probably did in the course of our conversation as well we spoke um, about her journey to I guess towards Islam um, and how that all kind of came about and, and she has quite a, an interesting backstory about her university experience and everything else um, and then also I guess when, once she became Muslim how she balanced that with her love of this martial arts and we spoke, I guess, about um, linking martial arts and the discipline and the different elements within that towards Islam and, and where they kind of intersect and overlap. And I think I mentioned probably at the beginning of our conversation that one of the first things that people kind of think about when they think about martial arts is the brutality of it, um, the physicality and, and the, the kind of raw animalistic side. But there's huge elements of discipline, especially in the different forms. Um, and so again it was very interesting to hear her her perspective and and you know she, she's since uh, you know being a practitioner for many years decided to open up a school um, and teach women martial arts and I think her husband teaches men's classes as well now they've opened different uh, centers or they've set up different classes around around the country or around the in and around London if I'm not mistaken um, but yeah, so I think without needing to say anything further, here's my conversation with Khadija. Assalamu alaikum Khadija. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you very much for, for joining us on the podcast today. Um, so I think jumping right in, uh, I'd like to talk about martial arts. So I'm actually um, a bit of a fan um, of UFC and, and martial arts generally. I've, I've, I've dabbled in the past very unsuccessfully, to be honest, um, in, in <laughs> boxing and, and various... Yeah, it, it's, it's not pretty for me to even think about it. But um, you've obviously uh, been, been a practitioner of, of, of Muay Thai, sorry, Muay Thai specifically um, yeah. for, for quite some time now. How did you get into the sport? Uh, I moved to London to go to university when I was 19 and I was, I'd already done some Taekwondo actually, I'm from Milton Keynes and I tried Taekwondo there, um, yeah. I'd moved to London, I quite liked Taekwondo but it wasn't exactly what I was looking for so I just looked for a local martial arts club or something to keep fit whilst I was at uni and whilst I was kind of working part time um, and there was this club close to me that did Muay Thai and I went along for a session and I physically couldn't walk for about three or four days afterwards. I was in yeah. so much pain. Every muscle in my body was just aching. Muscles I didn't even know exist. And going downstairs was just not an option. That um, sounds so much like my experience. But anyway, sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah, so um, I decided, right, that's it. That's for me. I'd always been someone that was really into hobbies and learning. I love to learn new skills. Um, and I found it a challenge and I love a challenge. So I made it my mission to be able to get to the highest level I could in Muay Thai. And how many years have you been doing this now? 
So let me just calculate that. Hang on. My first session was 18, 17, 18 years ago. Oh, wow. So quite a long time then. Yeah. I mean, to start with, I only managed to do it really kind of on off because I was at university and I was working. And then by the time I finished uh, university, I had a full time job and the hours just didn't allow me to train as much as I wanted to. Um, which is what led me down my route to become self-employed really was just that I felt my job was taking over my passion and you know you're only here once your work is a place where you spend so many hours of your day and really you need to be doing something that you really enjoy so um, yeah yeah, at the time I I mean to, to, to be a bit reductive what you really enjoy essentially is being punched and kicked in the face I, I absolutely love that. It's fantastic. <laughs> that, uh, to be honest, it, it's one of those things, I think, where, where from the outside, even something like, like UFC, um, when you look at it from the outside, it, it seems so incredibly barbaric. And um, yet when you jump into it, like the, the few sessions that I've been to, yeah. you realize the amount of kind of discipline that's required and, and sort of tactical awareness, spatial awareness, movement, keeping your, your feet in sync with your hands and, and you know, not losing your head essentially mm-hmm. um, is, is unbelievable. And I, and I think in terms of like as a, as a physical exercise, if people haven't tried um, any form of martial arts before, it's something that I think they definitely should because it kind of teaches you a whole new respect for these people that you see on TV who just go out there and, and um, I guess get beaten up but also beat people up as well um, in, in a very disciplined sport. I, and I, yeah, I, th- I think basically, and especially with things like UFC, quite often you see a lot of ground and pound, and that's where you've got one person on the floor, the other person's on top of them, and they're just punching them in the face. That, to me, is not... Yeah, that, to me, is not a skill. Like, anybody can do that the skill is actually in the technique of how to control your opponent how to keep them away from you um and how to be able to um, defend yourself at the same time as being able to attack effectively not necessarily ground and pound and actually once i became muslim um the what was different about our club that, that we put into it was the fact that you're not allowed to punch directly to the face islamically you shouldn't attack the face unless it's in self-defense so for sport yeah. purposes that's not really something you should be doing but we still we still allow with the head guards to the head and you know all of the normal shots um to the body but technically yeah you're exactly right the the coordination that is needed is above anything because you're having to use yeah. every limb of your body at the same time in a different way um, and you need to override your natural reflexes. Your natural reflexes, if someone goes to punch or kick you, is to put your hand out to protect yourself. But in reality, that would probably break your wrist. So you've got to override your natural reflexes and learn how to use your body um, to protect yourself, but also to be able to attack straight back. And, and you mentioned just there about converting to Islam. Um, so mm. I guess I've, I've probably got to ask the, 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 the typical cliche question, of how did you convert to Islam? What was that process? When did that happen? Um, and, and obviously, I guess the follow-on from that is how did that, once you were, you know, you're already doing your martial arts, um, so was there a conflict? Was there a period where you're like, oh, I can't do this anymore? Um, how did that all happen? 
Well, I was, I'd already been training for many years. Um, I'd been at university. I'd met lots of different people from different backgrounds, different cultures. London's so multicultural. And it's one of the reasons I'd chosen to go to university in London so that I could learn more about life and people. Um, yeah. Where were you from? You said Milton Keynes before. So right? I'm from Milton Keynes. So although you could kind of say it's multicultural, when I was at school. You've, you've got a lot of roundabouts there. I think that's as diverse as Milton Keynes gets. We've got over 250 of them. You can uh, take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad you knew. I think everyone in Milton Keynes knows that specific trivia about exactly how many For those outside of the UK that are listening to this, Milton Keynes is is relatively close to London, but it's a, a, a city or a town of roundabouts. Basically, um, it's, known, it's a grid yeah, system. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, quite magical. Yeah, so I yeah I'd moved to London and I'd met you know friends at university. But I'm not the type of person that likes to be in huge groups of people. I'm quite selective. I'd prefer to go out for a meal with one person and have a really good conversation rather than be out in a whole group of people. So I'd made really good friends with a few people whilst I was at university. And when I finished university, um, I, and this might sound surprising to many, but I found out after three years of being at university that the friends that I had kept and that I really liked were Muslim. And I hadn't known that up until finishing university. Um, now, that might sound surprising, mainly because the, the women didn't wear hijab. So there was nothing to tell me that they were Muslim. To identify them as well. Okay, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, and it was only one day when I said to one of my good friends, um, should we meet up? Let's go for a coffee. It was something we did regularly. And she said, oh, no, I can't. I can't do that this month. I'm fasting. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I'm fasting. It's Ramadan. I was like, well, you're Muslim. I couldn't believe it. Like, I, I hadn't a clue. And it just so happened that the three friends that were all, they weren't friends together, three separate friends that I had were all Muslim, and I didn't know that. Um, and it made me kind of question that a little bit. I was like, what is it I like about their character? You know, I know they didn't drink. I knew that, you know, but I didn't kind of put that together with anything more than what, you know, what, what I had. Well, yeah, what it is. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really drink too much because I wanted to train and you, you can't have a hobby that involves, you know, a lot of physical work if you if your body is toxicated the next day because you just have no energy. So, yeah. um, yeah, it kind of it kind of went on the you know I went around to their houses and I met their parents and um, one of them said to me, "Oh, you should come to the mosque with me. You know, I'll introduce you to the imam and they can give you some information if you've got any questions." And it was all to be honest. At that particular point, I had no desire to follow any religion or faith. Um, although my father is Catholic, um, I'd never followed any belief whatsoever. Um, to the point I actually thought that people that followed religion were a little bit brainwashed and they were weak in their own decisions and that they kind of used God as an excuse for every action and everything like that. So um, it was definitely not a route that anyone would have envisaged that I would go down and definitely not one that I would have seen myself going down. But I did have certain beliefs of um, things like everything happens for a reason. Uh, I believed that and I believed, you know, if you do good, good will come back to you and what goes around comes around. Like I believe in these sorts of things. And then one day I decided to kind of think a little bit deeper. Like there was a lot of coincidences that happened you know like little things and things that aren't even maybe linked to religion directly but you know when you're thinking of someone and then they call you or you think of someone and you walk down the street and you bump into them i started yeah. to say like these aren't how many coincidences are there 
of things like this when these things become really regular um and i questioned if i believe that everything happens for a reason and what goes around comes around if i genuinely believe that which i did what makes that happen and that's what kind of led me down the thought path like the trail of saying well there must be something that makes that happen because every um every consequence of something has a cause like things don't just happen for no reason do they so i i believed that there was some sort of force but i definitely didn't have a name for it um and i'd been given this copy of the quran um my friend had taken me to to a mosque in london and i started to try and read it and to be honest the first day that i was trying to read it um i was like this just makes no sense to me whatsoever because already it was talking about god okay so and it's not something that i'd got a belief in uh, yeah. but so there's, then, a leap, there's a leap, I guess, that you have to take if you're reading the Quran as a non-Muslim. Yes. Because there are assumptions within the Quran that only would make sense if you're Muslim. Uh, exactly. And if you believe in a God, and I wasn't even at that stage. Um, yeah. But then I read something, I was reading something about Islam online. Um, and it said that God is, uh, the word Allah and the word god like allah is just the arabic word for god to start with but it always talks about god as he okay in in all of the scriptures it's always talking about god as a he so i had this image and especially with my confusion about christianity i had this image that god was a man with a beard like this is kind of what i thought people believed um but then i read this thing that said god is not a he or a she but it would be rude to say it therefore god is related to as he because it's the more polite way mm. and i was like oh hang on a minute god's not a human god's not a he or a she maybe it's the force that i believe in and i started to try and think down that route so i went back to the quran and i tried to read it and each time it said allah i kind of envisaged this force that i believed there was and it all yeah. pieced together it all started to make sense wow from that point you know, um, you know what's what's always what's always amazing is that when you speak to a convert or a revert whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. um the 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 story of of how people kind of come to islam is always really beautiful and that's something that like i, I was born into a muslim family we don't have that we don't have that like eureka moment mm-hmm. where the stars align and, and as you said all the coincidences that were happening kind of suddenly makes sense. Yes. For us, it's just like, oh, well, I, I've been brought up going to the mosque. I've been brought up where we're fasting and we're praying and we're doing this and that. Um, but but it's always so nice, like like the way you describe a, a force that you had as this abstract concept and then you aligned that with Allah in the Quran mm-hmm. um, and it just made sense, is is beautiful. Yeah, and I, I often think that it's, um, that it's maybe... Uh, I wouldn't say easier, but it, I don't know how to explain it. For for somebody that has become Muslim, then um, for myself, and becoming Muslim is a huge thing, okay? Because I had very negative ideologies of what I thought Islam was about. And so to become Muslim is such a big deal that you need to make sure that you're choosing to become Muslim 100% and that you agree with it not that you're going to pick parts of it and you know say well I don't agree with that but it doesn't work like that so it's a really major decision that you have to make so you really search things in detail to understand and the interesting thing from a non-muslim perspective 
is that it starts to make sense for so many problems that you've seen in your past. And you think that actually, had I been following the Quran, um, then these problems would never have arose. So it's really, it's really interesting. It really starts to under, helps you understand. I think a major part of it was understanding about shaitan, actually, for me, and this voice inside your mind. And never, I'm not saying I ever heard voices in my head, but that moment of doubt, of understanding why it's so easy to choose the worst option, and it's so hard to choose the better option. You know, when it comes to being lazy about doing something, you know, you're, you know, you should be doing something that's good, and it's going to take some effort. Or you could just sit and do nothing. And it's so easy to sit and do nothing. And why is that? Like, all of this was very fascinating to me. So, yeah, it was definitely a, an interesting journey. But the science of it was the part that really opened my eyes because I did think that you either are religious or you believe in science, but you can't be both. That's what I thought. Yeah. And actually, when no, I, I realized... I think that's still there today. Like, like, people still have that notion about religion and Islam being um, at odds with science. Yes. Which, yeah, which and even, I think all religion. Even if you look at Islamic history, if you look at Islamic history, the amount of individuals that have been Muslim that have contributed to, to modern day science from algebra to, um, I mean, coffee even, for example, like there's, there's been so much contribution from, from the Muslim world, from the Islamic world in, in, in the past even, but mm -hmm. still there's this kind of conflict that's painted in people's minds. Um, and, and to be honest, like just to kind of sidetrack a little bit, but I feel like nowadays uh, being religious, be it Muslim, Christian, Jewish, Hindu, whatever, is is almost um, perceived as, as backwards and barbaric for whatever reason. Like a notion of God in a Western society, um, in an increasingly liberal Western society, is seen as... as um, Almost stupid. Old-fashioned. I'd say old-fashioned. It's like an old-fashioned idea of somebody that would go to church or go to mosque. or yeah. It's not something that is seen by the young people as cool, is it? So I think it takes a very strong person individually to actually say, no, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Anyways, I think we could we could get sidetracked a lot on this. <laughs> I want to obviously talk about the, the your martial arts and so from from a from the perspective of having embraced islam yes. um, did you just carry on as you were or no so i there there were very gradual changes that i made um i think the biggest the biggest one for me was wearing the hijab um it was something which I said I would never do. I like there's absolutely no way like if and this was before I'd become Muslim. I said if I choose to become Muslim, there's absolutely no way that I will wear a hijab. Um, I know you can't see me right now, but I have a hijab on my head, um, and that really made me question myself. It was a very deep soul digging moment for me because I thought and I believed that I was a confident individual who didn't care what people thought of me. I've always thought that of myself, and suddenly when it came to um, considering wearing a hijab, I'd made a firm decision there was no way I was going to do it. So it made me question my own beliefs about myself, because then I realized, well, actually, if I was confident, and if I really didn't care what people thought about me, I'd have no worry in wearing a hijab. But the only reason that I had a worry about wearing the hijab was because I worried what people would say. So it really was a kind of deep moment for me to kind of dig deep and say why well, you're contradicting your own belief about yourself. Um, and I didn't want to be 
weak. I didn't want to feel mentally weak. That's not a characteristic that I wanted to feel. I wanted to feel strong about my decision. I'm not saying that somebody that doesn't wear hijab is weak, but for me, it made me question what I thought of myself. And I was wrong about what I thought of myself. So I decided to put a hijab on my head just to try it. Um, and I went onto the street. And as I, as I walked down the street, uh, an, a lady approached me um, and asked me in Arabic. She asked me something in Arabic, which I didn't know, obviously, what she was saying. So I said, sorry, I don't speak Arabic. She said, oh, sorry, can you tell me where Barclays is? Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, sure, it's just down there. And I suddenly realized I kind of opened up to a whole new group of people who were teach. It was almost like she was kind of treating me like her family like the way she was speaking to me was just really soft it was just yeah. it was very interesting and then i'd walked into a shop to um i can't i can't wait. i think i needed to top up my oyster card and i walked into a shop and the man that was working in the shop he was like oh good afternoon ma'am can i help you what can i get you and i thought no one has no man has ever spoke to me like that before nor it's just a yeah. different a completely different way it was like there was a respect there um, what I find really interesting is like even even from my own experience, like very rarely will someone come up to me in the street and be like, "Oh, salam alaikum," or or say anything and and, and ask anything uh, Muslim related. But yeah. then whenever I'm with my wife, um, who, who wears the headscarf as well, mm -hmm. like if, if we're in a shop, like a, a family will walk past, or like security guard will just be like, "Oh, salam alaikum, have a good day," and and it's it, it's obviously it's it's a very obvious indicator that you're a Muslim. Um, but it, it does very much, I think, open up that whole um, sphere of, I want to say brotherhood and, and sisterhood. Yes, but it's and like, an, like unknown, an unknown family, isn't it? That's what it becomes. Yeah. Like they, if it, I feel like if I was to be in trouble and another Muslim was around, that they would actually come to see if I was okay. Like That's the feeling that I have now. Um yeah. Whereas if I was in trouble and I, you know, nobody knew I was Muslim, especially in London, I find people are very desensitized to um, to things that are going on and people don't want to get involved in other people's problems. So in, in one way, it's a very beautiful thing to have is to know that these people are actually looking out for you. They're like your family. So, yeah. So what happened was, though, I chose to wear the headscarf at that point. I took my Shahada. Um but I had a big kind of challenge on my hands because I was very passionate about training in Muay Thai. Um, I'd been, at this point, I'd already I'd quit my job uh, as a marketing manager and I'd set up my own website design company so that I could train. And I was training five to six days a week, three hours a day. Um, and one thing I knew was that I was not willing to give up my training. And Islamically, there was no reason why I should give up my training. Um, there were definitely some changes that I might need to make. But um, a year down the line from becoming Muslim, I got married and um, my husband and I said, like, let's open uh, a women's only and a men's only uh, Muay Thai club. Um, for me, I it was something that I'd pushed for because I wasn't willing to give up my training. So I needed to make a training space that was available for women so that I could continue training. At the time, it was quite a kind of selfish reason for doing it it was yeah. never let's set up an empire it was i need somewhere to train and i'm not willing to give up my training so i need yeah. to set something up so i did that and it brought in women from all different cultures all different backgrounds and it was really a community of people coming together but the most beautiful part of it was the fact that non-muslims were training with muslims 
and getting on and just getting to know one another and realizing actually as women we're all the same there's there's no difference when you're in a gym and you're training in martial arts it doesn't matter where you're from or what your background is when you're in a ring you know you're equal so it was just a really kind of beautiful thing to see and from the first course that i offered um it was fully booked and i had people traveling three hours to come to the classes because there was nothing else around um at the time so it was really something quite special um but can definitely I, can I ask why sorry can i can i just quickly ask in terms of from like a women's only perspective mm-hmm. um nowadays i feel like there is a lot more offerings for women only classes and, and things like this and swimming pools will have like you know an hour or two that's just for women do you think that there's a is in what why I'm, I'm trying to understand i understand from a muslim perspective mm-hmm. from like a, a non-muslim perspective why why are people attracted to to classes like that why wouldn't they just go to like an open session for anyone yeah and that's a really good question because a lot of the women that have come to my class that are not from a muslim background have come for so many different reasons um but martial arts firstly it's a full contact sport okay so if you're training with men it's going to be full contact that you're going to be training um, with them now what kind of man wants to use full power on a woman when tra- woman when training no but i i mean like you, you can have sessions where there are let's say there's, there's four women and there's four or five or ten guys uh-huh. you can just pair them up accordingly right so a woman would be fighting with a woman but why, why would there be a need to or why would there be a desire yeah but that, i mean at that, 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 that point still you often end up so I will move on to the next bit, but at that point, you still often end up training with a man. And what happens for a female at that point is that she won't get the most out of her session because either the man won't use full power, so she won't actually be able to get the maximum of her training, um, yeah. or, or the opposite, he'll think that it's, it's okay to use full power, but to prove a point, and then confidence-wise, that's not great. So it just doesn't work that well. But in terms, in terms of a woman training, women... Firstly, many of them are quite self-conscious. Um, they don't want to be in a gym where there's men that are possibly looking at them. They don't feel comfortable sweating and, you know, making all the noises that come with training whilst around other men. Um, I had women training me that uh, have been victims of domestic violence. Um, I've had women training with me that are news reporters um, or that are journalists that are going to different countries and need to know how to defend themselves, but they don't really want men knowing that they're training to do that um and it's just being able to be free and to express yourself for women when training without worrying about who's looking at you yeah and actually that's another question i was going to ask is the motivation behind it because i think often the the assumption um of like if if you're going to do some sort of training especially for women i feel like there's probably a, a gender bias in play here but if a man is going to a boxing class or a Muay Thai class, it's it's fine. He's just going to get fit or whatever. But if a woman's going, it's like, oh, are you going because you want to defend yourself? Is your husband doing something to you? Are you scared? Um, there's all these kind of stereotypes that come along with it. Um, mm-hmm. So what are the what are the motivations behind people generally, Muslim or not, that come to your classes? I know you mentioned some of them there. But what's Could- the main driver for people? Yeah. Completely mixed. So some of them do just want to get fit. Many of them, it's for weight loss. Many of them, many of them want to compete. They actually want to learn to fight. Um, a lot of them, and one of the biggest answers that we get when we ask 
ask our students is confidence is to build self-confidence um i had a lady training with me um and after three months she was doing personal training just one-on-one and after three months she told me that the reason i signed up for these sessions is i want to get a promotion at work and I'm too scared to ask my boss. So I thought she I'd do something. To, she wants to beat her boss up, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but she was, yeah, she was basically scared. She was basically scared of asking her, her boss for a promotion. And she'd been at that job for years. Um, yeah. And at that three-month point when she told me, I said, well, you have the confidence. You should do it now. And she literally went that, that next day. She went to work. She came back. And she said they're willing to give me the training for the promotion. So there's That's so amazing. many different reasons why women train. But confidence mm-hmm. um, and, like, believing in yourself. And that's something which I really kind of strive to encourage is I want women to be able to believe in themselves and know that they can achieve their goals. And for Muslim women to know that they can do that without, um, without contradicting what their faith expects of them and wants of them. So to have a balance. I just wanted to ask again, sorry, beyond, beyond confidence, like my, my personal experience from, from the, the boxing that I did once upon a time, was was the immense amount of discipline um, involved mm-hmm. in in, in, in all forms of yeah self discipline, but also like as I said, when you when you're in those situations, it's almost like a, a broader metaphor in life, where mm-hmm. when you're when you're you're being pushed around, you're in a corner, like you can either kind of shrivel up and just take it, or you have to find a way to maneuver yourself out. Um, yes, and and with that as well, there are specific techniques and there are ways to to get yourself out of the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 come out on top and and it as I said I I, I gained an immense amount of respect for, for for people that that do martial arts because I just realised that as as crazy as it sometimes looks there's there's just so much kind of discipline in there um, I wanted to ask you I guess from your experience that you know the eighteen plus years that you've been doing this what are the kind of takeaway points because I also feel like you can almost draw parallels between um, between that and religion. Yeah, um, and uh, life. Uh, uh, the, all, all three. The martial arts, the religion, and life all at the same time. And as you just said about being, if you're in a corner, if you're cornered um, and you're being attacked in that particular moment, you need to find a way to be able to get out of that situation without panic. And that is a life lesson, isn't it? Like how many times do you feel trapped in life? And, you know, it's about actually finding a way out of that situation to find a way forward to become back in a strong position again um so i think you're saying about self self discipline is a huge one the respect that comes with it and a lot of women have come to me with anger issues and that is the reason why they're training they feel that you know that they're struggling with their own emotions and anger um and people would think the martial arts is aggressive you know it's the it's the opposite the second you lose your temper whilst you're in a ring you're losing the fight because when your emotions are in a, in a state of rage you lose your you lose your control basically and when you lose your control you become very vulnerable and that's life as well as training um and so it's about being able to challenge challenge channel that energy um to be able to focus on your goal and use that to achieve what you're trying to do I've got a big smile on my face because you perfectly articulated what I had in my head. No, because it, because it was so long ago. Because it was, um, but like, yeah, that, that's exactly it. That there's, it, it's yeah. about using the energy, whatever energy that is, whether it's rage, whether it's fear, whatever it is, and, mm-hmm. and 
manipulating that almost to 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 progress and to better yourself definitely um, learning how to use that to focus on a skill and to use it in a productive yeah. way i think that's definitely a major thing and what kind of uh, impact or, or role has has um, Muay Thai played in, in your life and also like the business and the work that you do just from like an Islamic perspective in terms of your your connection with God and religion um, and just more broadly in your life as well? So for me, in, in terms of connection with religion, I think the most beautiful thing for me is to meet so many sisters that are all in different stages of their life. And there are so many women that inspire me in so many different ways. I constantly get told by women, oh, you know, Khadija, you're so inspiring. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, what inspires you about me, you could do yourself. There's nothing different about me. I just chose to not give up. Like, all I've done is study a skill and master it. And you've never really mastered it. Like, it's ongoing. Um, but what inspires me about other women often isn't a skill. It's their their self, the self-discipline that they have with their religion and how they prioritize their life and everything like that is very inspiring to me. Women that have been through very difficult situations, yet each time I speak to them, they're probably the most positive women I know. So there's inspiration is constantly around me because of the lessons, because of the type of women that are attracted and to, to the sessions and that come in. Um, but I think once I realized that these women needed the sessions, it wasn't just a fun place to go and do some exercise. This isn't, no, no offense to aerobics, but it's not an aerobics class. It's not just a keep fit class. This is actually a skill that you're learning alongside keeping fit at the same time. Um, and women would tell me this is therapy. Like I need this training. You know, if they missed a week's training, they come into me like, like, last week was a terrible week. I didn't get to train. I wasn't able to to kind of focus my energy anywhere. Um, how it's helped women overcome depression and anxiety and so many different things that people are going through. Um, and realizing that this training is actually therapy at the same time for a lot of women has made me realize I can never give up with this now. I have to try and provide this for as many women as possible. Um to, and hopefully, uh, at the same time, I give them the opportunity to learn to become instruct instructors and give job opportunities to women to work in female-only environments that is good for them, it's it's good for their dean, um, it's good for their religion. So Do, do, you, ever, do you ever get faced... Sorry, sorry to cut you off. I, that's I, okay. I, know I do this a lot. I've just realised every time I cut in, I'm always apologising because I'm cutting in <laughs> a sentence. <laughs> I do apologise. Um, but no, okay. uh, do you ever get... Um, feedback from people or comments from people saying that that these kind of sports are unladylike definitely um, definitely we do so far i've never had anyone that has left with that opinion though after speaking to them um and it's usually parents it's usually mothers of teenage girls whose friend is coming to the class or something like that and they want to come along to the class and you know mum or dad have said okay that's fine you can go along but a bit begrudgingly but because it is uh, once the girls become nine they go into girls only classes um so we have youth girls classes but that they will then come to me and say, well, my mum's not happy that I'm doing this. She says it's too violent, it's too aggressive. Um, and so what I do is I invite those parents along to the class um, and I let them think that they're going to sit there and just watch their daughter do the session. Um, and then about 30 minutes in, I normally pass them a pair of gloves, um, get them to put the gloves on and I hold the pads for them and I get them to have a go. 
and you should see that they've usually got the most power <laughs> you know these, these women are looking after children teenage girls it's a challenge in itself um and i let them have a go themselves and when they realize that the discipline and the respect that comes with it um and the control that is needed and actually how difficult it is to do um i've never had anyone after that come back and say no i don't want my daughter doing this um so no it's it's I've been quite lucky to be able to have that open communication when it, whenever a problem like that has, has arisen. But it's never ended in a problem. It's always ended positive. They've usually signed up themselves and started the women's classes. Uh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and I guess I wanted to also come back to your business. So um, you, you said you started off with one place shortly after getting married because you wanted to selfishly, um, your own words, obviously not mine. Yep. <laughs> you wanted to selfishly <laughs> practice for yourself. I don't want to paint you in that way. Like, you know, just quoting what you said calling um, me selfish yeah no no i said that myself <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what happened then from a business perspective um where are we now obviously some years later yeah so i always wanted to have my own business that's always something i knew from probably from when i was about 15 actually when i was 12 i used to work on the market um just helping out on other people's stalls and i always someone had told me at that point that um marks and spencer's started as a vegetable stall on the market and i was like right okay yeah so if they if that, that's how they started then i will have my own business but i didn't really know in what at that point i was quite interested in advertising and design um but yeah once i felt really passionate about muay thai um and once that first location that we set up um i saw it was very self-rewarding to see what the women were getting out of it um I decided, right, I need to make this um, for more women. I need to open it up. So we now have uh, nine locations. We have six members of staff working. Um, Is that all across London? So, yeah, I've got six locations across London. Uh, we have locations in Milton Keynes, and we're just about to launch uh, a UK instructor's course to try and encourage more women to learn to become instructors to teach more women so that not only the job opportunities but also more women have the opportunity to be able to train um, and actually I've just been nominated I'm trying not to sound big-headed here but just letting you know I've just been nominated for the National Diversity Awards for Entrepreneur of Excellence which is quite exciting because um, it's a really big event um, but for me, these sorts of things aren't about self-recognition. It's more being able to spread that message out there that it doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing, training is for everybody and it's very empowering for women and I just want to be able to give that opportunity to more women. That, that, I mean, that's really uh, fantastic and inspiring and I'm glad that the work you're doing is, going, uh, is not going unrecognised because I think... As you said, and as you rightly identified, it's not about the award itself. But no. I guess that also serves as another opportunity for you to to get your message out there, to tell people, um, as you said, that like you know, martial arts training isn't just for men. Anyone can do this. Um, it, it doesn't matter what level of ability you are, and I guess all the benefits that come with it. it to be honest, like I, I, I like your, your your overall ethos. I think it's it's fantastic, and and. Um, I guess credit to you as well for for sticking at it for the last 18 plus years um it's phenomenal thank you thank you i it's very much about giving back it's um although this is my full-time job and yes it pays our bills um it's 
pretty much everything else goes back into the business to be able to help it to grow to just try and spread it as much much as we can i I think if i think sorry i think if anyone listening to this is self-employed um they'll know that that running your own business is is not fun and games i was gonna say it's not all fun it's not fun and games full stop um it's it's very challenging yeah it's like a 24 7 job because you you you're always the job is always on your mind Exactly. Um, and, exactly. And I have spoken to a lot of business owners as well that like things like holidays don't exist. Like you, you have to. A holiday? Yourself. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> the same response I get from everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, people, uh, you have to kind of force yourself to step away, and even then, you're always thinking about what's next, where it's going and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think that's where the self-discipline from martial arts really helps because I am very disciplined with working. So. Um, I've got four children, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a daughter. I've got many different roles that I have to play at the same time. And um, discipline when you have your own business is so important um, because as much as making sure the business is running smoothly and that it's professional, the service you have is a professional one. um, At the same time, you also need to be able to switch off and focus on yourself so i'm quite strict with myself that if i am working in the evening after the children in bed you know at 10 30 it doesn't matter what i'm doing it switches off and i will have an hour you know just to either have time for myself or with my husband or just just to have personal development space and time because it's so important to be able to you know also make sure that you are doing the best that you can in your dean there's just so many things in life that are constantly being thrown at you um that definitely running your own business is a a huge sacrifice time wise but it also means that the office that i run i run it from my home so it also means that i get to be there when my children need me um you know it means that if if I'm not feeling well. It doesn't really matter because, you know, everything is just there. It works for me. And I no longer want it to be a number in a company that, you know, when they don't need you anymore, they they just get rid of you. That wasn't something that I wanted. So it's important for me that my staff um, very much feel that this is part of their, yeah, part of their, the they're, they're definitely not a number, you know, yeah. and if anything is needed from me to help make their life easier, then I'm, I'm definitely there to, to help support them. So, um, yeah, it's been a huge yeah, learning cool. curve and I'm sure there's so much more to learn, but, um, I'm, I'd say I'm enjoying it. Definitely. Alhamdulillah. That, that, Alhamdulillah. One, one, one final question, um, which is more just an opportunity for you. Um, and, and for our listeners, actually. So how can people get involved, get in touch with yourself, um, with with your own uh, MMA uh, studios, classes? Yeah, for the classes. Um, so yeah. um, we're on all of the social medias, apart from Twitter. I don't really use Twitter. But uh, Instagram and Facebook, yeah, it's, it's Safari MMA. Um, the same online. You could just search Safari MMA or Safari Kickboxing. We should come up, um, hopefully, at the top. Um, and if if anyone's interested, just follow the work that I do alongside that as well. They can follow me on Instagram. It's Khadija Safari with a H at the end of Khadija. Um, I'm currently training to become a helicopter pilot. Um, so oh, wow. hopefully I'll be able to then go on to train more women to become pilots as well. So that's the, the next goal alongside this one. Nice. I feel like you never stop. I, yeah, I don't. If, if, if we do, if we do speak again, you'll, you'll be an astronaut or something like that. 
Um, but no, th thank you very much for your time. This has been a very enjoyable conversation. My pleasure, um, my pleasure. <laughs> and I hope more people um, take up the opportunity, I guess, to, to experience martial arts. As I said, I've mentioned it a few times. If anyone's interested, reach out to me. I'll, I'll tell you my 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 uh, story. It's not a pretty one, um, <laughs> but I, I, I once upon a time did a few a few classes, and and as I said, I've just built up so much respect for people that have the the, the self discipline and the willpower to to keep going for years and years. And and honestly speaking, and I'm, I'm sure you, you can um, back this up, but like sometimes you kind of walk away, you feel you feel awful. Um, yeah. just having, having had a bad week you step into a class and as as tiring as it is as much as you feel even worse physically afterwards as you said muscles you didn't know existed mm -hmm. um, start to ache but there is this kind of joy that comes with it in a very strange way it and releases, I think it's only something that you can experience afterwards yeah it releases endorphins whilst you're training so that's the happy hormone um so after training even though and maybe not for the first two three weeks but after that once your muscles start to get used to it two, two, three months, uh, yeah a month i'm trying to be nicer um <laughs> yeah but it as you walk away you feel energized you don't feel tired yeah. it's the opposite you feel energized um it changes the way you want to eat it does that for you you don't even need to become conscious about your eating because your body starts to tell you uh, hang on we've burned these vitamins and these minerals you need to replace it the body will start telling you what you need to eat you don't come out of a class and suddenly fancy a mars bar it just doesn't happen you come out of the class and you start to crave for fruit and my, my experience speaks differently just to, to let you oh, know really? that that's, that's a different story <laughs> how, I, I would i would hit up the fried chicken straight away <laughs> i felt like i deserved a treat it was your reward um, but then, yeah. but then that's also another another thing is that actually for people that do want to eat whatever they want to eat at least they've got something yeah, burning at the other end so uh. yeah 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 no it's all good but once again thank you very much my pleasure um, and, and and all the best i guess for the future and, and the helicopter courses as well thank you thank you <laughs> all right thank you all right thanks a lot take care assalamualaikum I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I've actually um, <laughs> been thinking about uh, w whether to, because I, I allude to my sort of brief run-ins with um, martial arts and, and boxing in the past. I, I, I have been deliberating over whether to tell you guys uh, about my experiences. Um, but I guess to, to kind of briefly summarize, I remember I, I went to, I was at a gym where they had a, a boxing ring and they had like a regular boxing class that I used to attend. Um, and one time I had been to see a, a movie whilst at university, it was my time at uni, um, and it was like a boxing movie, I can't remember what it was about, but it was like one of those drama, you know, human emotional stories, but like there was a boxer at the heart of it, and he obviously wins the fight at the end and whatever else, so I was all pumped up, I was like, I'm going straight to the gym. Um... <laughs> So I, I went to the gym and I remember um, it was like a sparring session and, and the, the coach or the trainer was like taking turns, you know, getting different people in the ring and, and fighting against them and just kind of testing out their level or whatever. And he wasn't wearing a head guard for whatever reason. Um, and it, I mean, this whole incident felt like it happened over 20 minutes. It was probably about a minute or two because obviously when you're in the ring, everything kind of time warps. But anyways, so I was standing there and I'm up against him. He's wearing gloves. He's not wearing a helmet, but I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Head guard, sorry. I'm like, cool, whatever. Um, and he was like, all right, now, you know, we're obviously going to spar. So I started, you know, hitting him, punching him a little bit, this and that. 
and I caught him a few times like in the face and whatever and I felt really bad because guys weren't wearing a head guard but he was like yeah go for it and he wasn't really hitting back so I was like okay this is this is all right so I kind of got a bit comfortable dropped my hands a little bit was just you know letting loose and whatever um and then next thing you know I don't know I in my head when I played this back there was like a bell that went off at some point like I don't know but he suddenly just snapped at one point um like fully in control and just start hitting back and once he did I ended up kind of like in the corner just getting pummeled by this guy um, who was obviously technically much better than me um, and it's as I said like it's uh, the, the experience of, of being hit in the face or in the head regardless of wearing a head guard or not and again your face isn't fully all that covered I remember like despite wearing a mouth guard my, my gum started bleeding or whatever um, it wasn't a nice experience um, but it was humbling at the same time, and like you, you, you learn a lot about yourself when you're put in that position um, of of being uh, punched um, <laughs> by somebody. Um, and yeah, that, I mean that's one. Like I've, I've there's, there's more, but there that's the the one that hurts the most. So I thought I'd, I'd share that with you all. Um, but no, I, to be honest, like I, I, I love Khadija's story um, and the the ethos behind um, the stuff that she's doing and why she's doing it, and and you know the empowerment that it gives people and the feeling of confidence and and self worth and whatever else. And there's so much that comes with it, and I think just generally as well, like physical exercise. Um, and especially, you know, when getting into martial arts, the amount of discipline and everything else that's required, they're almost transferable skills for life. Um, and also, like from a spiritual perspective, they're things that you can use to enhance your your faith. Almost, um, I don't know. It's it's um, yeah. It's I think for people that haven't um, had the opportunity, um, obviously within a cop controlled setting. Um, not don't just you know turn to your your spouse or your your siblings and say oh let's have a fight that's not what I mean but I mean getting into a a class or a a gym where they have you know the proper equipment and facilities um, it's definitely worth putting yourself in that position because you will learn a lot about yourself one hundred percent and. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely did. I, I, I ha- it's been a while since I've, I've put myself in that situation. I might have to revisit it at some point. Um, but yeah, th- those are my musings at least and, and my personal kind of story that, as I mentioned, I alluded to a couple of times over the course of the podcast. Um, well, that's it actually for another TMV podcast. Thank you very much for listening um for subscribing and for those of you who haven't subscribed please do i feel like i say this every podcast um but i kind of have to it's one of those i don't know it's one of those like unwritten rules like they do on youtube where they say please subscribe and click below and give us a thumbs up and all of that stuff so i've just kind of been doing it um if you want me to stop doing this then then email me and let me know that you make it this far on the podcast and that you don't enjoy it um and that you'd like me to stop and if you do all of that and you've gone to that much effort and you're a regular listener I will feel really bad but I'll still probably do this next time no I'm joking I would feel really bad and then email you back and say I'm really sorry but I have to do this and then continue doing this um yeah I I apologize in advance uh on that note (laughs) assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh